All right, Rich. So let's start with this. What did a drink give you and what did a drink steal from you? A drink gave me unbelievable satisfaction, um, a great rush, sometimes a lot of confidence. Um, it would mellow me out, I thought. Um, it just it just made the world brighter. It made things glow. And uh, what it took from me was a lot over time. It wasn't it wasn't an immediate robbery. It was more like a a slow um, heist over a long period of time. And um, it ended up taking a lot from me. It, you know, all, all the things that I thought that it was giving me, it, it actually did take away from me. Um, but it really took away, you know, money, confidence, relationships, my ability to perform at work. Um, you know, an, an, an endless list of, of negative points. So I'm just glad to be glad to have it in the rearview mirror. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The uh, kind of a, I thought it, this is what it gave me. And then this interesting realization that, for example, confidence. I now know that confidence is a skill, something that you build through repetition, experience, you know, trial and error. Uh, so to consider that a drink at one point kind of felt like it was giving this immediate confidence or just like this magical elixir of oof, confidence appears. Um, now I know a little bit more about the science and what actually happens and how it kind of goes into your brain and reduces your inhibitors and everything. And like, that's what's really happening. Right. But the idea that now as sober people, we get to build the things that kind of do the work in, in a way, but, actually build the skills that we thought we were getting beforehand. I'm curious to know from you when you realized, like, was there a moment where you kind of just had a gut check or was it brought to you that the relationship you had with alcohol wasn't necessarily healthy or sustainable? How did you come to get curious about, is this actually the way I should be spending my time, spending my life? Well, I have two uh, two pieces of experience in my timeline of life and getting sober, and one of them comes at a very young age. Um, at the age of 16, I, I was sent away to a rehab where I was for two years, a uh, very controversial place. Uh, we could maybe talk about that at another time offline, but if you, anybody wants to look this up, place up, it was called Straight Incorporated, and they had several locations around the country, including Stoughton, Massachusetts, which is where I was from 87 to 89. Um, I think in hindsight, being there and having that whole experience, that kind of made me know that I did have a problem with it. But when I got out of there, when I turned 18 and I could leave on my own, I you know stayed sober for a little while and went to AA for a good while. And then I ended up probably drinking maybe and just going all in on drinking again when I was maybe like 24, 23 years old. Um, and, you know, I, I knew in the back of my mind that I had a problem based on the experience of being a teenager and struggling with it. And I drank all the way until my early 40s. And I finally quit in uh, 2012. And 2012, when I stopped in December, was really the end of like a five year rock bottom for me. It, it's not like there weren't any like police or helicopters, there's no DUI or anything like that, but just a long downward spiral. I got divorced in 2008 and just drank. I had a great career going at the time and I just drank away all of my paychecks. And 
yeah, it it took me, and that's really you know I I knew I had a problem, but I was drinking anyway. How about that? That's definitely fair because I mean, in my story, I also I felt the internal knowing, like I had some sense of intuition that oh, like maybe it would be better if I didn't do this, or I I could dream about what my life could look like, and I had a very specific hunch that not drinking would help me get there. And at the same time, it was just, it was hard for me to stop. I mean, some people can stop. I was not one of those people that could just like make the choice and stop. I had a lot of, um, how do you say, kind of like periods of research. And then I wouldn't drink for 30 days and I'd go to therapy a little bit extra and I'd feel great. And then I'd try again and lots and lots of iterations like that um, until I finally did have kind of enough evidence under my belt and enough of the, as you say, no helicopters, thankfully no DUIs, no um, intense, you know, physical harm to anyone, including myself, but that kind of inner death, <laughs> so to speak of, if this is the way I'm going to keep going, like I, not what's the point, but just like, no, thank you. Ugh, no, thank you. Um, yeah. So I totally resonate with that. It's amazing what we're capable of doing while even, you know, being destructive in this way um, with a substance, as you say, you know, we're capable of having relationships and careers and all these things. And then at, at a certain point, we start to see that it is having an effect on those things. Like we're, we're not, we can't fool ourselves anymore that for some of us, it does start to ripple into the other areas of our life, not just affecting us, but affecting others. So what I find really fascinating is that you, I actually am brand new to Twitter, like brand new, and you seem to be living your best life on Twitter or X, I suppose we should call it. Tell me if there was a journey for you in becoming that like visible or kind of sharing your story out loud. Talk to me through that, because I know for me, like I'm just starting to find that voice and find that confidence, um, give myself permission to be what feels audacious, but in reality is just honest. Tell me about your journey and not just like now I'm sober, but I actually feel called to share about it online and be a voice. So I've never really hid my sobriety. Uh, I've certainly, you know, talked about it. And when I quit drinking, people definitely did notice. I mean, there were people in my little circle. Whoa, what's this? No beer at this event? You'd normally be drinking here. And, you know, that was a change. And but I was determined. I mean, I when, when I set it down, I was that was I was done for good. And, um, you know, I was kind of passively talking about it here and there. You know, when I'd celebrate a year or whatever, I'd make a little post on Facebook about it. Uh, but if I can credit any uh, single thing or, or person with making me a little bit more vocal about my story, uh, it would have to be my wife, who I met in 2018, and we were married in 2020, um, but she stopped drinking in 2019, um, in December of 2019. And, you know, I, I, I'm, it's her story to tell her story. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to share about her, but I didn't, it, I tried my best not to influence her in any way. Um, I didn't tell her, oh, you should do this or avoid these pitfalls. And by the way, we were in quarantine together during, during COVID. So that was pretty interesting. But, you know, I, I suppose she says all the time that 
being around me in her early sobriety was helpful. And, and I guess I can accept that. And that's cool. But I've really been inspired by her because what she has done is really become quite vocal herself about her story and being passionate about turning her life around. And it's made me realize like, wow, I've turned my life around too. And things really are good. And I do feel moved to share some of, uh, you know, the successes that I have and, and the fact that living this life, not drinking is a great thing for me. And that's kind of a message that I want to put out there to people is like, not, Hey, follow me and, and do what I do. But I'm just saying, hey, I'm one guy and I quit drinking in middle age and I live my life as a non-drinker in middle age and life is pretty good. And I just want people to see that. And I really like the way that the flow of the conversation moves on X, formerly Twitter, um, because it's great because you see so many people with like there's people who got sober in the 80s on there and then there's people who got sober eight days ago on there. And everybody is offering their support and opinion. Now, there's some nerds and idiots out there, uh, of course, because it's the Internet. But uh, the recovery posse community and hashtag sobriety, if you look on that, there's just a wealth of people supporting one another. And I think it's really important. I see firsthand with what, what with what my wife does, how important it is for women to rally around each other. And then I'm trying to learn a little bit more about how guys can support each other and how we can engage in these conversations. And, you know, I don't want to tell guys what to do, but I will occasionally say, hey, my DMs are open. Or if you want to get on Zoom, like, let's talk, you know, I will listen to you. And that's the thing is that we need to listen to each other, you know. I used to think, I heard this the other day, somebody said, it's not a good talking to that you need, it's a good listening to. And I find that very helpful because I think there's a lot of guys out there who struggle, who are, you know, abusing substances, alcohol, probably the most easy, the easiest one to get. And they just might want to talk about something. And, and I think we need each other in a way that, uh, that, that we need to refine and continue to define so that we can get these suicide rates down and, and become better men collectively. Yeah, that's, it's a really important point, like to create the space for men to commune together and like break that stigma and that barrier that only they can like, that only uh, like gendered people can, can kind of feel in camaraderie. Um, I've, I know that throughout my journey, it's, finding first getting to the point where I feel like comfortable with and trusting with women that I've then broken into like a new layer of self-understanding vulnerability comfort in my skin um it certainly took me a little while to even get to that point but as you say there's space to be held and listening truly is one of the greatest gifts we can give it's because in listening and I guess, you know, non-judgmental listening. Um, we just give people the opportunity to experience what it's like to be safe in truth, uh, which is not necessarily something that we all got growing up or in culture and society. And um, what I wanted to also just say is something that I respect so much about your stance um, publicly is you kind of mentioned it before, like the, I am not your guru. I'm not here to demonize alcohol. I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do, but what I can do is I can share my story and I can provide space for you to explore your own story, 
share your own truth. I would love for you to expand on why you feel like that's important because I, I just think it's it's important for people to hear um, from representatives like you who really can be that safe place, that non-judgmental place. I think for me, I didn't know that that existed. So I want to just be, I want to give you an opportunity to just share what that means to you um, so that, you know, yeah, we can just listen in on the example that you are as a sober person and what's available for sober support or within a sober community. Yeah. So no, I really, I, I appreciate that. And like, I have to say that the intervention model, I think is something that just doesn't work. You know, I mean, I've heard, I don't know if you know the comedian, John Mulaney, but he used to be really coked out and a big drinker and now he isn't. And he's got a stand up special, the new one on Netflix, where he kind of recounts his, uh, the intervention that happened uh, to him. And, you know, I didn't have a celebrity intervention because I'm you know, not a celebrity or anybody that I did have an intervention. Like my mother staged an intervention on me at the age of, you know, whatever. I think I was, you know, 21 or 20 or something. She had like two executives from the old rehab that I was in a couple of family members. None of that ever worked on me. You know, no, nobody ever talking to me about my drinking. You should do this. You should do that. None of that took so I think what I learned, and I really credit a lot of people in AA for this, because I do have a wealth of experience in AA, although I do not attend meetings anymore. Um, but what I have done with my AA experience is taken what I've needed and left the rest, as they, uh, as you will hear in those in those meetings. Um, and a big part of that is, you know, I just have to own my stuff. I have to own what's going on with me. And I do not have authority over anybody else to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. And if I hear somebody who is doing something wild or doing something that, you know, in, in my life right now that I would never do, I can't judge them for what they do. I can, you know, I think the best thing that I could do is ask them questions, but I even have to ask them questions. I have to be careful about how I ask those questions because the questions can come off as judgmental as well. And I think that as an, as an addict, you know, as, as somebody who struggles with substances in the past, you know, I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to feel uh, any more shame than I was already feeling. So, you know, I, I think it's finding a common ground, a, a launching point for a conversation with somebody, and then just asking some good questions and, and being a little vulnerable and saying, hey, look, this is what happened to me. And, you know, I had a couple of really scary nights and I did a couple of things that I'm really not proud of. And I hurt some people and I made these mistakes and I should have lost my job and my poor performance because of my drinking at work jeopardized not only my employment, but the employment of other people too. So it's, it's taking ownership of that. And I think when people hear that, it's my hope that they resonate with that and connect with that and then point the finger back at themselves and say, you know, I, I, if he can do it, you know, maybe, maybe I can do it too. Maybe I can get, get a hold of this thing and, and look at it in a different way. And, you know, I just want to, I, I want to encourage that however I can. I, I really do, because that is like at the soul of, of, uh, of us getting better. And if I can reach just one person and turn that around, then good. Then there's somebody else out there who has the gratitude that, that I do for the life that I get to live. Mm. I'm hearing two things as kind of beacons for where to go to start talking about your own experiences and getting curious about changing your habits. 
And what I'm hearing is one, find someone who is as vulnerable as they're asking you to be. And two, go where it's warm, right? Like check the temperature of how you feel in that space. Do you feel warm? Do you feel invited? Do you feel safe? Or are you not feeling that way? And, you know, start to trust that within yourself, your ability to kind of sense what's right or wrong for you. But I love what you're sharing in the sense that it's important. Your experience of the medicine states that it's important that there's vulnerability on both sides of the street uh, when, when you're going to look for support in an area like this. Um, and that when you're in that space of support, that you check the temperature, you figure out what works for you is, does this thing work? And I leave the rest or, you know, is this a place that makes me feel safe and warm and cozy? Or is this a place that makes me feel more judged, more shame, et cetera. And those are really good beacons for, you know, just finding the place where we can start to explore what a different life or a different experience might look like. As we wrap up here, I would love for you, you mentioned, um, you know, sharing the beautiful things that happen in your life, the opportunities that you're afforded now, and just like sharing the good. I want to give you just a few minutes to wrap up and brag a little bit about what you love about your life right now. Well, I, I do love my life. I you know, the, the gifts, I think they say the gifts of sobriety, the, uh, many of those gifts are still coming. And a lot of the gifts that I have didn't arrive until, you know, I've been sober for some time. I, I met my uh, now wife in, in 2018. And, you know, she was she was still drinking, but she, you know, we, we found each other on Bumble, right? We found each other on a dating app. And one of the things that she really liked about me was that I had the word sober or non-drinker in my, in my date, in my dating profile. And she had never been on Bumble. I'd never been on Bumble. And that's just our first and only internet date. So I would say that my, my life, uh, my life with my wife is probably the number one uh, effect and gift of my life. But I think that it's just waking up every day with, with integrity, you know, and it's not to say that life is sunshine and roses and it's perfect, but you know, I can, I can do things and I can mess up and I can own up to them and I can take responsibility for them, but I can show up for people too. And I'm able to set boundaries and I'm able to think differently about things. And when I do need some help, I hope that I'm able to ask for it. You know, most of the time, um, you know, it, it's a struggle for me to say, I can't do this or I don't know. And I'm embarrassed and ashamed of it. Uh, but, you know, that's diminishing. That's becoming less and less. And again, that's, like it's stuff that doesn't happen overnight. You don't just get sober. And then a month later, you're doing everything perfectly. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit 11 years in December, which is awesome. But, you know, it, it's just the quality of my life that, that I really like the most. And the fact that, you know, when I'm driving, I, I remember this guy in an AA meeting saying, he's like, I might get pulled over, but I'm not going to jail for DUI. And I just, I, I, that, I, that has always stuck with me since I heard that. You know, is that I've taken really like the arguably the largest problem in my life and I have extinguished it. So now I am really free in a lot of respects. And I think that that drives, you know, other people crazy when they hear that word like, oh, I have such freedom, such freedom. But like, I promise you, once you get here and you experience this, if you're somebody who wants it and you get to this place where you can appreciate it, 
uh, it's just the simplicity is just awesome. And I revel in the trips to Costco and looking at the clothes and buying a $15 pair of shorts with my wife and a couple of cases of almond milk. And, you know, that's just, that's my life. And I, and it's dorky and I just love it. And I'm so grateful for it. And I wouldn't change anything about it. Well, I'll say that, you know, the way that your entire face lights up when you talk about your wife, I mean, that alone is priceless. Like <laughs> I, I, I totally believe that you love your life because it just radiates out of you, especially when you talk about your wife and you know, that is no small thing that is, it's literally everything. So even if that was kind of the only thing you could express and share, I, I wish people would be able to see you, but I will just state this, this fan lights up when he talks about his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, um, they say, if you want to um, have a good marriage, hang out with people who have good marriages. If you want to have good happy sobriety, hang out with people who have happy sobriety. It's the idea that, you know, it's not always easy to make the change, but it is so much easier when you are surrounding yourself with people who have made that change successfully and are loving that change implemented in their life as their reality. So major shout out to Rich for being a voice, um, extending his space and time to people in the community and yeah, just really being an advocate for, for community um, where we can find it along this journey. I'm right there with you. I, I think community is one of the most valuable aspects that I have not only um, utilized in my journey, but that I have found in my journey, knowing how to be a part of a community and in a vulnerable, honest way and to trust people and to yeah, just like let people know me <laughs> and let people in and be current with my life and and care about them more. You know, it's just that whole community aspect has really given given to me what I have more than I have gotten from it. Um, so thank you for sharing your experience with us. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure.